Hello everybody, welcome to The Coaching Conversation. I'm Graham Wiley and I've been coaching business leaders for the last two decades. In this series, we're going to explore some of the things I've seen and learned in that two decades and hopefully help you see how you can become more focused, more effective and hopefully happier in your life. So, it's now time to sit back, relax and enjoy The Coaching Conversation. Hello and welcome to The Coaching Conversation. The interesting thing about the kind of work that we do is you get to meet an awful lot of different people in different industries, different types of organisations, whether it's not-for-profit, or it's commercial, or it's professional services, industrial, and so on. And so you get to see quite a, an interesting cross-section of the working population and one of the topics that does now seem to be gaining quite a lot of momentum for executives and bringing concerns or uncertainties to them is this issue around the return to work. Now that we're through the Covid restrictions hopefully and are looking forward to perhaps a more um, historically normal way of working, the executives that I'm working with are beginning to find that there is a reluctance to come back to work in exactly the way the pre-pandemic work routine was established. And they're caught in many ways because there are competing priorities around how they should work with their staff in that situation. And it's really quite startlingly different if you were the kind of organisation that regardless of the pandemic continued to work, say you were a factory or a warehouse, none of this comes about. None of this concern registers. It's not relevant. But where offices or operations have been completely closed and staff have worked predominantly, if not totally, from home, there is now a major problem in working out what the right way forward, both immediately short term and ultimately in the long term, should be. And there are a wide variety of considerations that people are being presented with. First of all, people who have, for the last two years or so, found the need to work from home, they've rebuilt their lifestyle around the fact that they don't commute. Whether it's dropping the kids off in the school, in the school run in the morning or picking them up in the afternoon, whether it's a reduced cost of childcare, whether it is just simply the pleasure of not having to commute whatever that time is both ways each day and in many ways for the people that have the space at home and the facilities at home it's jolly convenient just generally you're you're home um, ready in the evening to do whatever your hobbies are pretty much immediately you can have a, a longer line without necessarily interrupting the working day and I can go on and on and on so basically the first point is people have rebuilt their lives around the absence of a commute. 
So how do you persuade people, if that is what you're looking to do, that they need to reprioritize, reschedule, rebuild their life to look a bit more like it was pre-pandemic? Another consideration is that a number of people really can't work from home, not, not on an ongoing basis. They don't have the space or there's too many of them competing for the workspace that is available or socially they really just don't like being outside of the team. And one of the aspects of all of that is that if they come back and others don't, what's right, what's wrong, what's fair, what's unfair? Do rates of pay stay the same for people working at home versus people with all the additional costs of coming back to work? What's the relationship going to be? What's the interpersonal situation between those in work and those at home? And so there's a, a number of stresses and strains that business leaders are beginning to find a reality for them, not just a theoretical problem, a true problem that their staff are reluctant to come back or want to come back and there's a big difference. Another aspect of consideration for the business leader is ultimately if people never meet, they're never in a workplace together, they never have shared experiences, What's that going to actually do to the culture of the organisation? Will there be a culture? Will there be an organisation? Is it just a series of self-employed people who happen to be paid through a payroll? They're working from home, they're not really part of anything, they're just doing a day's work for a day's pay. How do you harness creativity in that situation? How do you get people firing off of each other in a way that was perfectly normal previously, pre-pandemic, but now can only be done through digital communications and whether that's faced uh, on Zooms or that's in the written word on email. It's clearly not as good as tripping over each other by the coffee machine or having a brainstorming session face to face with lots of people in a, in a room. Another aspect is that there is a major issue around customer service. The work from home may be technologically possible, but what is it actually doing for the customer experience? What are your customers finding? So when they, they ring or they want to contact the organisation, they're being rerouted to people who are working from home. What's that doing? Is it is it really seamless? Are they really getting the service that they used to get? More importantly, are they really getting the service that they expect? And is the excuse that, do please excuse us, we're all working from COVID, now absolutely, completely blown out of the water and doesn't wash. And another aspect, and, and you can't get away from this one, is that there is a huge attraction to not operating big offices. There's clearly a financial attraction, but there's also a distraction attraction. Managing big facilities, big offices, is a management distraction. It's not something you want to do. You don't want to worry about the repairs to the roof. You don't want to worry about filling up the coffee machine if you can avoid it. And so there are a number of fairly complicated uncertainties and 
and decisions to be made that we're being confronted with in our coaching programs with our various clients. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here and I'm about to tell you what the answer is because I don't know what the answer is. What I do know is, as a coach, I can help you weigh up the various options, the various facets, the balance between what's most important and what matters not. And so that you can come to a considered opinion and plot it forward for you in an entirely appropriate way for your organisation. Now, some of the things that I'm learning are it's best not to be too dogmatic. It's best to be very flexible. Keep your powder very, very dry as a business leader. Don't say, right, this is over. This is what we're going to do because there may be people who won't go with you. In other words, they'll leave. And in today's job market, that's not helpful. Equally, being dogmatic whilst giving leadership may, may well be painting yourself into a corner or driving yourself into a cul-de-sac. If you can honestly and openly share with your staff, I don't really know what the best thing is, but let's try this. Let's see if this is the best compromise for everybody. And then we'll review it again in X months, weeks, time and then we'll adapt again if we need to and so that's the first piece of advice is I think most sensible managers are not looking to be too dictatorial at this point but they are looking to persuade and they are looking to get some form of cohesion around the way the, the organization returns to whatever the new normal is going to be another aspect is that there are going to be people whose relationship with you now has changed. It's been bent right out of shape. And you may find that they are no longer going to be suitable for your organisation. They, they no longer want to give you, in terms of the psychological contract between employer and employee, the things that you were previously taking for granted. And, and you may have to bite some bullets on letting people go or or making it clear to them what you do expect, regardless of what they are prepared to give. And these are difficult decisions. These, these are losing talent type decisions that you would prefer not to have to make. But I do think the culture, I do think the need for some form of buy-in long-term to the organisation is critical, both for the employee and the employer. Moving on from there, and you look to the longer term, clearly we all know that digital communications are going to form part, a bigger part of our lives than we perhaps thought two years ago, and certainly sooner than we thought two years ago. So what are the rules around this? What, what are going to be the natural engagements around this? What will be acceptable with customers Whereas previously you'd get in a car, get on a plane, get on a train and go and see them. Will the relationship really be maintained if you only do that on Zoom? Or is it got to be a 50-50 mix or, or, or what's going to happen? Likewise, internally, when you used to have management meetings or team meetings or team briefings, they would invariably be face to face or in person. What 
what's the right way to get the right communications and the right motivations going forward because it'll include an element of digital for sure but what is it is it 70 30 50 50 what what's what's the smart way and then again another consideration is what does the office actually look like now perhaps previously people did have their own workspace their own desk their own family photos on it their own keepsakes their own tools and so on in in their place of work but because you're going to downsize this may lead to a much more hot desking environment and clearly that can alienate people that can make people feel they have no roots in the office how do you, how do you make that work in a way where they choose to come to the office if they want to and they value their workspace and take care of their workspace and as i move on from there the the, the actual roles that people play may also change you may also now find that people that used to be leaders in the office used to be the um, ringleaders cheerleaders the the epicenter of the way in which the social side of the office used to work may, may no longer be relevant may, may simply not be something that helps function in the way that the team used to function so how are you going to replace that what's that going to look like is it something you're going to do artificially or are you going to look for a spontaneous development something that's going to naturally evolve as the new working arrangements become real as I say, the, the beauty of what we do is we get to talk to an awful lot of people in an awful lot of different situations and they come up with different answers. Some of them have unique individual questions. A number of creative businesses we work with absolutely must prioritise the community piece where people do collaborate collectively because that's where their creativity is maximised. Some customer service type situations where people are working from home and the phones are redirected find less of an argument for bring, bringing people back to the office. And so all of this is unique and different, but the issues are pretty much universal. I hope that's been helpful and I look forward to seeing you again soon. So... There you have it, the latest edition of The Coaching Conversation. I hope you found it interesting. I hope you found it useful. You can find out more about our coaching programs at theexecutivemindset.co.uk. If you want to reach out, you can send me an email at theexecutivemindset at sagegreen.com. You can book a free 30-minute session at theexecutivemindset.co.uk, which will give you a really good feel for how coaching could help you. And if you've really enjoyed the session, do please rate us, do please give us a review. And nothing more for me to say other than see you next time.